Hey everyone, welcome to episode 35 of the Passion Effect podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Jack Pittman, and on each episode, we discuss the passion of high performers. We talk to athletes, scientists, politicians, and everyone in between to uncover the habits, motivations, and steps they took to discover their passions. And I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm joined with the fabulous Liesl Orich Viderba. She's the CEO of Ever Widening Circles, which is a media company that has set out to change the negative dialogue about our times to prove, as they say, that it's still an amazing world so that we can all live a better life online. Today, Liesl is here to talk to us about all things media. What role does traditional media play in our lives? How can we begin to rethink negative situations? How can we find our passions? And most importantly, what does the future look like for this amazing company? So much to talk about on today's episode. Liesl, thank you so much for joining me on the Passion Effect podcast. I am delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Lisa, I just wanted to give listeners a bit of a idea from your perspective about who you are as a company. So I'm just wondering, what is Ever Widening Circles and how did the company start? Yeah, so Ever Widening Circles is a positive media company uh, that is on a mission to change the negative dialogue about our times, like you mentioned. And to do that, we really create, try and create me- media that matters, right? So you know, I think a lot of, we think about a lot in the positive media sphere. It's these one-off things, boy saves puppy, which is great. I mean, I have a rescue dog, so like I love rescue animals, but these aren't the kind of things or those kind of, you know, those bits on the end of the nightly news where it's like, Mm -hmm. they tell you all how the world's going, falling apart. And then they're like, and there was a fundraiser. And, and then there, we're just kind of expected to feel good about things. We're really trying to talk about the things that are happening in the world that allow us to see balance. We're not saying as a company, we're not saying as an organization that the bad things aren't happening in the world. We're just saying there are solutions and there are people solving those problems. And we have to talk about them if we not only want want a brighter future, but if we want to work towards a brighter future. So that's what we do as a company. We're really about sort of solutions-based media, not just positive media. We want you to be able to see the world uh, in a balanced way so that you're not just getting the negativity, you're understanding that there are people out there actually solving the world's problems. And I know you've been on this journey for a while now. The company started back in 2014, as I'm aware of. But I think it's such a great message, especially during these times of COVID and the pandemic, when there is so much negativity in the world. And it is so easy to get fixated on the number of COVID cases, the number of deaths. And sometimes it's hard for people, I think, and I know I can speak from experience to, you know, see the positivity in the situation. Yeah. Well, I think you have to think about it this way. And I, and I, I know this is kind of a strange mindset shift for us, but we really have to start thinking if we want there to be something better, if we want a brighter future, we can't have a sense of, I call it future fatalism, right? This idea that nothing can change and that what's the use in working towards it. We're not going to come up with innovative ideas that actually make change. We're not going to come up with innovative plans to stop the spread of COVID. We're not going to be thinking brighter or bigger or inspiring young people to work towards a brighter future. We have to have what I say is a fierce the fierce optimism, right? That it's not just like, we're like, oh my God, if I think about it enough, like Mm. goodness will happen. You have to have fierce optimism. There's an activeness there that involves doing. Um, And so we always say, you know, we talk about goodness a lot. Goodness is the result of people leaning into doing work, right? It's not something passive. It's not something ingrained in us. We have to do the work. So I think for us, when we think about the important role that 
that media has. It's in helping us create that mindset shift and helping us retrain our brains to think in a new way because we are the we are a, a series of ha- like we are made up of the habits that we we choose to follow every single day. Uh, and if we don't have any other mm, you know uh, mental map to see the world with, if we're only seeing this negativity, we're not going to be able to to chart a path forward. So how can we as individuals and society begin to rethink the negative dialogue in our situations? The four shifts are this. Number one is pause. This is the first thing we can do anytime we are about to get into, we call the downward spiral. You know, imagine you're having a conversation with uh, the honor uncle that you find yourself maybe in a little bit of contention with at, you know, whatever holiday party. Pause that's really the first thing we can do in any situation because it gives us time to reflect. So that's the first one is pause. Number two is ignore more. After we've done the pause, we now have the space to choose whether or not we want to engage with this negative thing in front of us, or if we want to ignore it, right? Again, this applies online, this applies in real life. This is the litmus test. Is engaging with this thing, bring something helpful in the world? Am I being helpful? So number one, pause. Number two, ignore more. Number three is seek signs of goodness and progress. And this one takes a little work and it kind of does. This one does definitely start with your online algorithms. Like you are not obligated to follow people on Instagram or Facebook that make you feel bad about yourself. I'm not saying don't follow people that, that have different worldviews than you, but if you are following an influencer and they're making you feel bad that you're not getting up at 5.00 AM and having your green smoothie and going for a run and doing everything and journaling about it all, and manifesting your future. If that's making you feel bad, you're not obligated to follow them. If you find them inspiring, go ahead and do that. So start by, if you're trying to seek signs of goodness and progress in the world, follow people, follow organizations. I like to say like ever widening circles that are feeding you those signs of goodness and progress. You know, make note of when you're seeing something incredible in the world of science, make note, you know, note all these things down because they're really important for this next step which is share signs of goodness and progress. So once we've Mm. sought out that goodness and progress, it's great if it lives in our brains, but unless we are like sharing it with other people, whether that's on social media or in person, it goes nowhere and it doesn't actually help anybody. Like a like means nothing anymore. A share actually gets gets the Kickstarter funded. A share actually gets the story out there. A share does stop the misinformation. So when you are finding yourself in these downward spiral conversations, start by pausing, then ignoring more, then you've sought signs of goodness and progress, and now share those signs of goodness and progress. Do this and you'll start to retrain your brain algorithm from being negative to being positive. Because the key thing about our brains is whatever we see or experience with the most frequency is what we believe about the world. And so our current understanding of the world is based on negative media is based on the catastrophes that are happening every five seconds. Our brains are going to be searching that out on the horizon instead of good things. Yeah. Such a, such a great point that you bring up there, the importance of being able to share goodness in the world and sort of reinforce the actions that you're doing. So that they become positive habits what role do you think traditional media plays in society and social media? The role of traditional news media, good outlets that are not serving up opinion, they're actually serving up fact. They're reporting mm. the facts are critical because we, and we need to support those institutions because we can't have an educated populace that um, 
knows to elect or not elect the right people, that knows um, that there is crisis coming or that knows that there can be a fix to a crisis. We can't solve the world's big problems if everybody just kind of turns a blind eye and says, I'm not looking at any of this media, I'm going on a news fast. And I think it's that's really important. If we look at the media we consume as a diet, right? Imagine those big, heavy news stories as like a giant, like super nutritious dinner. Like it's the chicken, it's, you've got the chicken, the carb, the vegetables, the whole thing. We are going to Twitter. We are going to social media where the 24-hour news, we are consuming those big, heavy meals over and over and over mm. and over again. And of course, even the healthiest, most important nutritious things we need to know uh, or eat, we can't eat them in, in these vast quantities. They're, we're just going to feel sick. On the other side, we can't consume all the junk food of media, like right. social media and yeah, all this yeah. stuff constantly too. So, and, and then, and then I should say, and we can't be satiated by these tiny little bonbons of like, here's a good news story that like people throw at us. So we really look at something like ever widening circles as being like a salad, you know, like we're reminding people that like, here, here's something good that you can consume that balances out this media diet that you're on that might remind you that like you really only need to maybe consume those big heavy news meals three two two or three times a day and then here's ever widening circles coming in and providing you with a more nutritious sort of um, media option mm. right and that again reminding you that there are options and maybe you want to dabble in more salads you know because it made you feel good and it made you feel better so that's how I look at this this world of traditional media it's not over and it's really important that we support those that are providing fact and not just opinion yeah and look i would agree with your point as well if you expose yourself to a variety of sources you're more likely to be informed you're more likely to get yes. the facts and seek the truth so i to your point i do i do agree that there is a role there as well now lisa tell me who is this platform ever widening circles for what type of people yeah so we've really found that this platform is for people that are you know exactly your audience, these people who are looking for purpose and meaning in life, meaning and purpose, right? People that we've really found have this innate sense that the world is not like the future is not super negative that I could use some exploitive years here, but like, you know, that we are not, the world is not going to hell in a handbasket, right? So we are really for people that still have that innate sense that there is good in the world and that are looking for confirmation of that. When we opened up, we opened up a uh, exclusive um, uh, membership social media site for people that wanted to be a part of the conspiracy of goodness. And we, you know, had a, had a questionnaire there when people came on and, or we have a questionnaire there. And um, one of the things that people were saying when they were coming onto it was they really wanted to be among other people who saw the world as good because they believed it. And so many other people around them did not. And so that's really who we are for those kind of people that, understand that goodness is still out there and are looking for ways to connect with it more and more deeply. And I think that's one of the great things about the work that you do is it's not just people who are looking for something more. It's a community of people that really, that really makes it, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. I forget at what point we were talking about this, but one of the loneliest things out there can be when you are living with passion, right? When you are living in your sense of purpose, because it is super unique to you, right? It is right. super, you find your passion, you find your purpose because of your unique set of life circumstances. And so particularly when you are living your purpose because you are driven to do good in the world, um, a lot of people will say, oh, that's nice. That's so cute that you're doing that. You know, pat on the head, please yeah. leave my business office. 
Um, so it can feel really lonely. And so that's why we started the really, when we heard the words conspiracy of goodness, um, we were like, oh my God, yeah, that's what we we're a part of. Because we felt like we were these sort of little pinpoints of light. These people that we were writing about were like little pinpoints of light all around, but we needed a community around us who understood where we were coming from so we could bounce ideas off of each other. So we could collaborate, so we could find people to help us. I mean, it can feel really lonely when you're, when you're living in passion and purpose. And so the community was really, and is really about bringing people together who understand what that, what that road feels like and can help you along the journey because no one person has all the answers on this, this path with a, with a purpose-driven life. Such an interesting perspective. And I a hundred percent agree with that. I'm just curious, why was it so important to encompass the world within this company? I think it is critical that we understand that everybody around the world lives in goodness, right? So if you think about it, think about your own community. You know the person that's doing good in your community. You know the one, the woman that's like the head of the volunteering. You know the kid that's always run the drive. You know, you know the good that's happening in your community. And yet we are so quick to say, but that community over there, they, you know, insert negative thing, way, way different. And very often we say that about places around the world. All we have is an understanding of so many countries is the negative stuff we see and hear on the TV and radio and on the news. And so for us, it was critical that we talked about stuff that was happening all around the world so we could, again, change that negative dialogue. That's a global dialogue so that people can understand there are commonalities everywhere across the globe. Yeah, that's 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 so great. And I think... At the end of the day, we are we are all just human, and we're just looking for a purpose and something bigger than ourselves. And I agree, I totally agree. So, how do you determine what gets covered in the media feed and what doesn't? Yeah, so this is a really important point for us. Early on, you know, we were publishing every every day, and we realized that what we were doing was just adding to the noise of of the online world and adding to the noise of the the media and. For us, that was the opposite of what we ever wanted to do. And so we went from publishing every other day to then publishing every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we have a sort of unique litmus test when it comes to what we publish. So number one, does it A, prove it's still an amazing world, our tagline? And that's like the first, the first hurdle. And B, are we curious about it? And we have a unique system on our team where everyone writes um, on the team and people pitch every every week. And what that allows us to do is make sure A, everybody on our team is in this curiosity-driven space, which is you know, one of the central principles to our company. And also it allows everybody to write on things that actually deeply interest them, right? Like if I'm if someone pitches something that I have no interest in, but I think is still a good concept, I'm not the one to write about it, right? Um, but the person who is really excited about it is going to convey that excitement in their article. And I think that that's what makes our articles really unique is that we are really about curating incredible content and our curiosity and our excitement comes through in the writing. Um, and that's sort of how we choose. And then of course, there are things that are like, we're not going to choose stuff that's political. We're not going to choose stuff that is negative. Like those are basic things that are principles, but really it's, it, it starts and ends with that curiosity piece. Um, and I think that's what really creates unique media on our end. Lisa, what's the most interesting topic you've learned about since starting this media company? 
So, oh gosh, there are so many. I mean, we are the kind of office where people will be like, yo, did you know that someone is taking old cell phones and like putting them in trees to stop rainforest deforestation? I mean, th- this stuff, <laughs> that one's real. We love Topher oh. White, Rainforest Connection. He has found a way to like take old cell phones. It's a big problem in the rainforest. Sorry, I think this is really cool. Right. So this guy who was an engineer, realized you could take old cell phones, tune them to just hear the sounds of chainsaws starting up. And then that, then there's enough cell service on the very edge of these big game reserves where <laughs> usually the logging happens to then ping the ranger station to go, to go catch the, the tree poachers. And maybe, maybe the strangest one is that like hummingbirds are basically bodybuilders living in your backyard. Go read that <laughs> article. Um, but, but that one is the one I find most inspiring, especially when we look at things like massive wildfires that are happening around the world as a result of deforestation. Um, uh, and also there's a group in Australia that's using goats to help clear underbrush so we can avoid wildfires um, that are wow. you know, as, as terrible as they were a few years ago. So yeah, a couple different interesting things happening over there. Just go type in Australia. You'll find lots of interesting stuff we've written about. Australians are notoriously, um, as you know, and as Americans, I think, value um, resourceful. I'll tell you what, that's some amazing trivia questions right there. I know I, it makes me like really annoying at parties because I'll hear something. I'd be like, Oh, I've written an article about that. Oh, we have an article <laughs> about that. Oh, I know a little bit about that. Uh, for some of our people, it made it really hard for them to date people um, for a while because they would be like on these dates, having very boring dates, talking about things and be like, anyway, at my work today, I wrote an article about this snail <laughs> that like blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, this person that's doing X, Y, and Z. And then the, the person that's around the date was just holding their drink kind of with a blank face, not sure how to up that. So you know, it, it comes with its ups and downs, I'm sure. <laughs> How did your childhood experiences shape you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I grew up, I was very fortunate to grow up in a house where my parents really valued curiosity, in particular cultural curiosity. You know, they had lived abroad when they were young and they really decided that as a family, we were going to go to strange places and have to just travel figuring things out. And I commend them for taking three kids you know, usually I was like 13 and then my siblings were, you know, six uh, and four years younger than me. So there was like quite an age spread there, but they were taking us one day. We ended up by accident in the Irish in the IRA headquarters in Ireland. We didn't know that we were in the IRA headquarters. They had great, you know, music and beers and we were welcomed in another night. We almost had to sleep under our, um, our car in the Andes after getting lost and forgetting our maps back in America. Well, we thought they were actually deep in a bag. Um, you know, we would go for like a whole day without having food. Cause we'd go off on these wild adventures. We got chased out of Spain by a bird nerd. You know, we were constantly doing crazy stuff. And I think in all that wild craziness, what you, what we really saw and what really always captured me even before we were traveling was this idea of cultural curiosity this idea that people live such fascinatingly different lives and yet they're so so similar to how we live today you know I, I think about my first love was like Egyptology and it, on one hand it was so fascinating with the tombs and the and the mummies and everything but at the same time you learn that they had families and they paid people in beer and that like they were real people that built the pyramids and that to me was really really fascinating so I grew up with this strong love and cultural curiosity that I think is now exists in my work and that I get to to share with now hundreds of thousands of people across the globe. Speaking of sharing content with many different people, you've got a wide variety of platforms. You've got the podcasts, you've got the blog, you've even got an education platform, which I know you 
you founded within the Everline yeah. Circus Company. Yeah. Why was it so important to have many different mediums? So I think the most important thing we can do as media makers is meet people where they're at, right? And I have always had a passion for education. So the education piece was actually what drew me into the company. Yeah, at first I, I graduated from Harvard and I was a very cynical Harvard student with this momhood, like positive blog. And I was like, okay, whatever, mom, like you do your thing. I'm sure I was right. like a joy at American Thanksgiving. Um, and so uh, when I graduated, I realized that I wanted to do something good in the world and I didn't want to just go into finance or go into consulting. Um, and so I went home and I had this conversation with my mom and, you know, I realized that, Hey, there's a startup right here at home that was doing good things. You know, I'll help you out mom. But it really didn't click in until I was doing the education. So uh, the educators came to us and wanted to use our content in education. And it was so vital to me that we provide for students who can't travel, who don't have the luxury and privilege of traveling. I realized that I grew up in a very privileged place to be able to travel that much to see the world in complex terms, to see kids that look like them that are their age, um, living lives that are very similar in places that they've only seen as very, very scary. And I, we've lost in a lot of education, um, this ability to create um, uh, a teachable moment for educators, right? Where a teacher can say, okay, you need to care about science and mathematics because the International Space Station exists. And that's so cool, right? right? Think about the way that the us going to the moon inspired probably a whole generation of of scientists and doctors. I think of my own father, right? Mm. My dad didn't come from a, the kind of family that would create somebody who's now a dentist, but because he wanted to be an astronaut, it kept him interested in science, mathematics and technology a little bit longer that then he realized, okay, my calling is not to be an astronaut. I'm probably far too tall. Now I'm going to transition to being a healthcare professional, right? So we need things like that for students these days because students don't know anything other than what they grew up with around them, whether that's, you know, a, a nurse or a teacher or whatever. And if they don't want to be any of those professions that they see around them, they have a sense of hopelessness. So really our key with, with ever widening circles education piece was really to help young people see the world in broader terms and explore possibility and learn through their sense of curiosity, as opposed to those prescriptions sort of rote ways of learning. Um, and so that's what really drew me in and made me realize we need all these different platforms because there are so many different ways, not just kids, but also adults engage with media and we need to be able to reach them where they're at. So just expanding on that point further, how do we inspire curiosity and a passion to learn within individuals? How yeah. do you foster that? If you're in this space where you feel kind of lost, like what is my passion what is my purpose? I think you need to start with what you're curious about first. And by, by training that muscle, you'll start to understand, you'll start to be more open to things around you and you'll start to, things will start to resonate with you. And I don't mean that in a woo woo way, like your, your value, you know, whatever it is, it's not a woo woo thing. It really is true that you will start to be more open and you will start to see people like, gravitating towards you that you never would have noticed before because now you're open and interested in so many more things and I think that makes for better conversations and you'll be able to relate to more people oh entirely entirely if you go into a conversation with curiosity instead of like what can I get out of this person mm -hmm. you are going to find people are way more willing to help you and way more interested in what you're doing right I always it always made me cringe when I go to these events at Harvard where people were clearly trying to just like get something out of the other person they weren't actually curious about the other person's work. 
they had already Googled and looked them up on LinkedIn and knew what they were all about. And it just seemed Every so floor. silly. And it, it was like, it was so silly. And, and yet when I sat down and then engaged this person in a perfectly genuine, curious, who are you and what are you doing conversation? Um, that got me way farther than people that were like, so I saw on LinkedIn that you're the enterprise <laughs> guy, blah, 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 or then, or pretending to be curious and then somehow knowing a random fact about them. It really does start with like, be genuinely curious about other people and about the world around you. And you'll find that people are more apt to talk to you because you're having better discussions and you're capable of having, having better discussions. Right. And it's like, even if you don't necessarily agree with everything they say, at least you now have the mindset and the capability to go, okay, why do you think this way? And then you Mm -hmm. can readjust your belief. Exactly. Exactly. And we're all ever evolving. I, you know, I think that's really critical. I think we live in a world where we expect people to sort of come to a, you know, understanding of who they are and then stick to it. Right. We do this a lot to like our politicians where like, oh, they're flip-flopping. Well, maybe they just have a more informed view than they did before. Or, you know, we look at people who we want to be finite, maybe even our own parents and, or our loved ones who we think are only going to be finite in this one way forever. But if we're genuinely curious and can grow with them, we're able to foster way more interesting relationships with those that are close to us. Um, and those that maybe seem on the opposite side of where we are. Such a great perspective, really trying to understand people and recognize that we can change. And just because someone is acting differently isn't, may not necessarily a bad thing. It might just be because their, their perspective has evolved, which, which is a really, which is a really great point. Right. Right. And And we have to be open to that evolution. Right, right, right. And I think, as you said, you know, we don't all have the answers about, constantly evolving, growing, which, which is so great. It's fantastic. Why are you so passionate about the work you do, Lisa? I was actually thinking about this today. I was feeling a bit of imposter syndrome um, and being like, why am I an authority on any of this? And I should be like, this is what I've been doing for years now. And I realized that I am passionate about being the facilitator, right? I'm not passionate about standing up and being the person who's the guru, has all the answers, but I love facilitating discussions. I love facilitating connections with between people. I love facilitating new ways that people can be curious. I love being that facilitator. I have almost no interest in being the figurehead. I always want to be the facilitator. And so I've come to that and, and I could see it throughout my whole life. I was the one that was orchestrating all my little kid friends to like have fun at the party. Or if there was no fun, I was like putting myself in charge as the cruise director. And then when I got into college, I was in design. And my biggest thing was facilitating conversations so that we could build better spaces for people or better ways of communicating. And I realized that this has been the thing that's gone through my entire life is this this passion for facilitation in many, many different ways. And I love growing things. And then letting them, and then letting them go, and letting them be put in the hands after I facilitated, being letting them be put in the hands of the people that are most passionate about it. So, I come to this after many, many years of reflection and many years of self doubt. Of okay, do I really have an, any authority? And now I think, yeah, I I've lived my whole life as a facilitator. It's what I do. It's who I am. It's what I love to do. And I think that really is my passion: is facilitating connection facilitating ways that people can now live with purpose and feel like they are living fulfilled lives too. How can people go about figuring out what their vision is or what their purpose is? So, you know, they're very curious. They're, they're looking into a lot of different topics, but they still don't quite have that 
clear vision or purpose, which is like I'm the facilitator. How can people go about fostering that vision for themselves so they can be motivated to work harder or get more out of life? Yeah, I think the number one thing you can do is is a lot of self-reflection. And that comes with being widely educating yourself. I, I watch in sort of sadness and dismay as so many people try and look to one leader, one guru, one author to have all the answers. And I think the really big thing that we all need to remember is that if you are living with passion, if you are living with your purpose, you are on a unique journey. There is not going to be one guru to overuse that phrase um, that's going to have all the answers for you. And so the more that you can read wildly, the more that you can have all the books on your shelf and open them and read them and get excited about them and start to synthesize the different elements from all the thought leaders that you're reading or listen to diverse podcasts, or even more importantly, don't just listen to the podcast and expect, you know, everything about what the person is saying, actually go read their book or actually go look at their work to really get a better understanding, go learn. The more that you learn from a a diverse group of people, the more that you can start to formulate and have ideas of what your passion is and how you find it. So, and I think most importantly, when you come up against an obstacle, now you have the wisdom of a hundred people to help you out, a hundred thought leaders to help you out, and not just maybe the sideways helpful wisdom of one person who you took their online course of, right? So really start to diversify what you absorb and you will start to be able to create an ecosystem around you that supports your passion and that helps you step into it in a, in a more meaningful way, in a more sustainable way. So what you're saying is that self-reflection can look like listening to different podcasts with diverse ways of thinking to stretch your own thinking, or it can mm-hmm. mean taking the extra step further to go read their book or learn something extra so that you can strengthen or change your beliefs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't think that finding your passion comes from just like sitting down and like pondering. I really do think there is some action that has to happen there. I think that, and that action comes from finding a diverse number of sources that can help to inspire you. And again, following your curiosity through all of that, right? If you find that, wow, I'm in a big mood to go follow, read all these business books, follow that for a while. And if you find that you're now really interested in like reading all the biology books, follow that for a while, because you will start to sort of formulate and see, okay, this interest plus this interest equals my unique passion and my unique niche in the world. Um, And you can't just do that by like, you know, sitting there and pondering, staring at a wall and hoping it comes to hit you. You have to do a little work. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned throughout this whole journey of discovering curiosity? Whether that's about yourself, about the company or the people you work with or society in general. Yeah, I think the most important thing that I've learned, it, and it took me up until I think like, I was just looking back, is May of this year, I heard somebody say this, is that you won't be for everybody. And I think when we work in passion and we work in purpose, we will not be for everybody. And we take it really personally if somebody doesn't want to hear, like doesn't want to hear what we're saying or isn't willing to support us right off the bat. And then we spend so much time and energy trying to convince them to like us or convince them to care about our project or support it or whatever it is. We spend so much energy when there's somebody who needs zero nurturing, who's willing to help you right around the corner. And I I say it like this, imagine you go to a party and someone says, okay, in this room, you know, there will be 10% of people that love what you are doing. 
you know, 10% that will be lukewarm and 80% that don't care. And you only have an hour to find that 10% that love you. And, and maybe that 10% that are lukewarm, you're not going to sit there. If you only have an hour, you're not going to like walk up to people. And when they say, no, no, thank you. You're not going to be like, but wait, let me convince you that I have a great idea. No, you would be like, thank you so much. I got to go find my people. And you have to treat life that way. You, you've got to find your people. They're out there. We, we realized very early on, like our mission was only for about 20% of people. Consistently, we had 20% of people showing back up after they heard about us. So if we're only for 20% of people, that's great. I have to go find those 20% of people. And everybody who thinks this is a nice little idea and that we're looking through the world with rose-colored glasses and they don't really care about goodness in the world and they're perfectly happy with how things are, that's a great perspective, but I got to go find people who get right. what I'm saying. So that's what I would say to anybody who's starting out on this journey is when you find your thing, don't spend time waiting or trying to convince people that you've got a good idea. You've got a good idea. Find the people that support you because that will catalyze you to success much faster. I've spent now eight years trying to convince people that did not care to like me. And I could have gone so much further if I had just said, thank you so much and moved on to the next thing. Finding that community of people who really share that interest and treating life that way is a really interesting perspective and certainly must be quite a fulfilling feeling mindset to to have as well and one that Mm -hmm. i'm sure we can all adopt that's awesome take action follow your purpose and be curious that's fantastic lisa i've got one more question that i want to ask you and it's the same question i ask all my guests what advice would you give to people about following their passions i think that you have to be willing to do the work like i know i've said it before but you have to be willing to do the work when something doesn't feel right, which I think a lot of us are feeling, when the prescribed course just isn't feeling right, lean into that gut feeling and then go do the work to try and figure it out, like what your purpose is supposed to be. And you're not going to find it out in a day. And if you're really lucky, you might, but look at your life experiences, follow your curiosity and you will find your purpose and passion. And it'll take a little bit of work and it might be hard and you might need to you know, maybe do an extra jog and maybe talk to your therapist and maybe have a community of people around you. But if you put in the work, you will find your passion and you will find ways that you can serve the people around you. And I think that is one of the greatest joys we can have in life is, is living a life where we serve others, serve the world. And in that way, live with a, a sense that we are not alone and that we can together do something big for the world. What does the future look like for this company, Ever Widening Circles, Lisa? Yeah, so we are super excited this year to be putting on our second annual Conspiracy of Goodness Summit. Last year was our flagship event. Uh, it was our flagship event. It was our first year doing it. Uh, we had we gave ourselves like I think four weeks to pull it off. We still got a hundred people there. So this year uh, we've given our such a much longer timeline. It's it's October tenth, uh, and it is going to be incredible. We're trying to get three hundred people there. It's going to be awesome. And this year with the ticket to the event, we're also opening up our conspiracy of goodness network to people. Um, anybody who gets a ticket early is going to get that extra, extra month, two months to be on the, to be on the, the network and really start to interact. We saw all this, you know, you go to an event and you've got all this energy and you're super excited. And then afterward you're like, wait, I, I went and I'm going to tell my partner and they weren't there. And so they don't really get it. I'll go tell my mom. She doesn't get it. So what we're doing is we're trying to give people this community. So now you can take that energy. We have some incredible thought leaders coming to speak with us. Now take that energy and not only talk with those people on the network, but also talk to the other people that were there. So you can start to build community, build network, and actually, you know, 
live with purpose. Take Our action, theme this year yeah. is live with purpose. So I can't think of a better group of people um, than those that are looking to live with their, through their passion um, to come to the event. It's going to be, I think, really, really exciting. Now, Lisa, if people listening to this podcast, they're like, I want to learn more about this amazing company. I want to go out and do good in the world. Where can they get in touch or learn more about this company? Yeah. So the best, yeah. So the best way that they can do that is go to everwideningcircles.com or ewc.co. We made it, made a shortened version. Uh, and there you can sign up for our email list. I would suggest doing that. We, we promote our events coming up. We, which we have a lot of events that are just perfect for people that are in that space of trying to, to find their passion and live their passion. Uh, and then you can also follow us on social media. Um, we are on, on Instagram at everwideningcircles. Facebook, you can find us at Everwinding Circles, LinkedIn on Everwinding Circles. Um, if you have questions directly for me, you can follow me on Instagram at liesel.uv. I try and answer all my DMs there. So if you do have specific questions, I'm more than happy to, to answer them and, and engage in a dialogue over there. Um, so really find us on social media, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, um, sign it up on, online and um, you know, be curious, ask questions. And I'm here to be one of those people you can ask questions to for sure. Well, Liesl, it's been a very curious and enlightening conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast to speak about your passion for positive media. It's been absolute joy and can't wait to keep following the company. It's fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Jack. And thank you for being a co-conspirator in goodness. We need more people making media like this out there in the world. Thank you so much. All right. You've just listened to this incredible conversation with Liesl. But how can we actually apply the ideas that we learn from this episode? At the end of each episode, I'll be sharing my three key takeaways that I gained from each episode. These three takeaways are by no means an exhaustive list, and your three takeaways might be different to mine, and that's fine. The first key takeaway that I took was the four stages of pause, ignore, seek signs of goodness, and share signs of goodness as a way to rethink negative situations. When choosing whether to ignore or engage in a conversation, I really appreciated Liesl's advice of asking herself, is this conversation helpful or productive? The second key takeaway for me was the importance of treating media consumption like a balanced diet. It's important to expose yourself to a variety of news sources and news types to broaden your perspectives and horizons. My third key takeaway was be curious. As Liesl said, pursue things that interest you and keep learning. This is a great way, as Liesl mentioned, to find your passions because pursuing that interest just might lead you to the next amazing opportunity. Those are my three key takeaways. Let me know on Instagram what yours are. If you haven't already, go check out the new Passion Effect merchandise that has just dropped. Sales end at the end of August. Check it out. We've got some cool shirts and hats. The merchandise link is on Instagram and Facebook. As always, keep following your passions.